Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, Wednesday edition. We got Alan Dershowitz standing by. Rich Lowry will break down 2024 and so much more. Keep in mind, you can always get the podcast if you can't hear me live, BrianKilmeadeShow.com. One day after a historic day uh, for all the wrong reasons for President Trump. Uh, and for the country uh, and the impact on the 2024 election and the country. Uh, we'll be following all the developments as well as what's going on overseas with the Ukraine counteroffensive. But before we get to Professor Dershowitz, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It is worrying because we don't know any examples of more intelligent things being controlled by less intelligent things. They will have, for example, learned how to deceive. They'll be able to deceive us if they want to. Yeah, that's Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of AI. So many questions about this new technology as our assisted living Senate tries to set up a re- reasonable guardrails on this. Meanwhile, Paul McCartney scrambles to preside over an AI-generated new Beatles album, The Good, The Bad, and The Scary. Number two, you chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight. I have no idea if there are voice recordings. The document was redacted to protect the source, as everyone knows. Paul Abadi admitting redacting Joe and Hunter Biden's recordings in a document shown to Congress. Where are the tapes? Where are the facts? Republicans are demanding answers about the Biden family antics in Ukraine and beyond. Why do all the investigations get stonewalled when it involves them and accelerated when they don't? Number one. Today we witnessed the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. That's, that's right to the point. History made. For all the wrong ways. Yesterday, as President Trump was arraigned and charged on 37 counts, no photos, no video, just sketches, his Bedminster speech, his defense plan as we know it, and what the rest of the GOP field thinks about Trump's troubles. We'll discuss it all. Professor Dershowitz, uh, a big time in, in our history. Is this testing your constitutional knowledge? Well, it's testing the Constitution. Um, I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. There are a lot of things about the Constitution that nobody knows, for example, could have president pardon himself. Nobody knows the answer to that question. Uh, Must a public trial be on television? I think the answer to that is yes, but there obviously there's no authority for it. The framers of the Constitution uh, wanted it as open as possible. Obviously, they allowed journalists to come in and uh, townsfolk to come in to watch trials. 
I think we have to have this trial on television. Yesterday's proceeding should have been on television, and it wasn't. You know, it's interesting. I watched on two channels. I won't mention what they are. On one of them, the reporter said Trump was slumping. It looked like a defeated man. The other one said Trump was sitting up. His chest was out. He was defiant. This is the same incident. I think the American public have a right to see Trump's face, the judge's face, maybe not the juror's face, but all the evidence. Let's let's make our own judgment so we don't have to evaluate the case through the prism of often biased reporting. You know, it's interesting in the OJ case, of course, I was involved in that and it was on television. The people who watched it on television were less surprised by the verdict, by the outcome of the case that outraged so many people. But the people who watched it were less surprised than the people who read about it in the New York Times. Understood. Uh, by the way, your book, Get Trump, uh, outlines really what this whole process was, not specifically uh, they're going to get him here and there. You just talked about the mission that they have to stop him before he gets another four years in office or stop him from even running for that office. Here's a little of uh, in, here's a little of President Trump's defense. Uh, we're starting to get a sense of what exactly he's facing and what he plans yeah. on saying. Cut four. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44-page indictment. Under the Presidential Records Act, which is civil, not criminal, I had every right to have these documents. Is he right in saying that? (laughs) Well, it's interesting. In my book, Get Trump, I outline every one of the four cases against him. You know, the one in New York, which is the weakest case possible, outrageously weak, the one in New York. The one in D.C., which is being investigated. Fulton County is being investigated in Florida. And I said that I thought the strongest case would be an obstruction of justice case in Florida, that that's what they were looking for, a process crime in Florida. And I was right. And I you know, went through all the evidence uh, in the case. Look, it's the strongest case because of Trump's own statements. He said things to lawyers he shouldn't have said. And he said things to a writer that uh, he had taped. It was his staff who taped them in which he waves a paper and says, uh, uh, I could have declassified this, but I didn't. Now, we don't know what he waved because the paper is not in evidence. And maybe he was just bluffing and waving a piece of paper in order to make his point. But that is the strongest piece of evidence against him, that he was aware that the evidence was not uh, declassified. Now, his position, he has two positions. Number one, he declassified everything. And number two, the Presidential Record Act, which obviously follows the Espionage Act. By the way, nobody in court should be allowed to mention the word espionage. The act should not even be referenced by its name because espionage has nothing to do with this case. Nobody suggests that he turned anything over to Putin or turned anything over to Iran. There's no espionage involved in this case. And the word espionage is very prejudicial. So the first motion I would make if I were the defense lawyer is to strike the word espionage and warn the prosecution that if they ever use the word espionage, there'll be a mistrial. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is try to vacate the judgments that allowed the lawyer's statements to come in, because those judgments were made by D.C. lawyers. And what happened is Jack Smith went judge shopping, and he decided to bring the cases involving legal issues about whether the lawyer-client privilege has been voided in a favorable jurisdiction, the District of Columbia, 
and then move the case to Florida because he had to. And uh, I would think that you should be able to relitigate that issue in the state, in the court in which the trial is going to be had. And that's a strong issue, whether or not Trump violated his lawyer-client privilege by asking his lawyers, wouldn't it be better if, wouldn't it be better if? Those are the kinds of questions that clients ask lawyers all the time. Evan Corcoran is the attorney who the president was dealing with, and then they went ahead and said, you got to be a witness against your own client, at which time uh, he gave devastating testimony. They looked at his text messages, and you know this all the time. Thankfully, I have not been in real trouble, but if you're my attorney, I'm going to be totally relaxed around you, and don't you want to be honest? Don't you want your client to be honest with you? Not knowing that at any moment, Alan Dershowitz could all of a sudden be forced to testify against his client while the client's paying him. And, you know, you know people- I, I think that was I think that's an outrage. And I have to now give as a result of this decision, I now have to give my clients a Miranda warning. I have to say to them before they speak to me, you have to read this decision of the D.C. Circuit. And you have to know that you can't say certain things to me. If you do, it violates the privilege. Of course, that will just shut up the client and will make sure he doesn't say. Well, for example, clients have said to me over the years, wouldn't it be better if I ran off to Brazil? Now, I'm glad he asked me that question because I say, no, it wouldn't. They'll get you and they won't give you bail. And so please stay here and we'll fight the case. But clients ask you questions all All the the time. time. Wouldn't it be better if we made the uh, piece of evidence disappear? No, they'll get you on obstruction. So you want to encourage those kinds of questions. And the kinds of answers that lawyers should give. But now you can't ask those questions. You have to warn your client not to ask those questions. So, Professor, what about this scenario? I'm I'm your client. And I say, hey, could you do me a favor and go to the screen door and wipe my fingerprints off? Uh, Because I walked in the screen door and, you know, they're going to say that I, I walked in there and killed her. But I just walk in the screen door. It's my house. So would you go do that? And let's say you go do that. Now you're now you're playing a role in the crime. Couldn't you say that? And would you be susceptible to the same type of judge who says now you got to testify? Yeah, there are cases like that. There's a case, a famous case in New York, where the uh, uh, lawyer asked the client, "Where'd you bury the body?" And the client told him where he buried the body, and then they moved the body. So it shouldn't be found. Now, obviously, in a situation like that, the lawyer is complicit in the obstruction of justice. So lawyers have to be very careful. Right. But clients have to be even more careful because it's not the lawyer who's being prosecuted here. It's the client who's being prosecuted based on what the lawyer said. But Jack Smith pulled off a very shrewd maneuver by getting rulings favorable to him in the District of Columbia instead of having those rulings made. In Florida. And I think the courts might look a little askance at that. There'll be a lot of defenses raised, a lot of issues raised. I think, as I said, the first thing is no mention of the word espionage in that courtroom at all, because it will prejudice the jury beyond belief. When you hear espionage, what do you think? You think spying. You think, you know, the Rosenbergs giving atomic secrets over to the Russians. The Espionage Act of 1917 may be the worst statute on the books today. Every liberal, every progressive, every Democrat, every civil libertarian has opposed it since 1917. 
when it was used to put war protesters in jail. Again, no espionage. They were just protesting the war. Now these same leftists, these same liberals are saying, wow, what a great statute. Let's expand it. Let's make sure it covers uh, Donald Trump. And let's use the word espionage over and over and over again. It's such hypocrisy. Right. And and it gives gives, uh, Donald Trump supporters something to jump off on. Lastly, Real quick, I know your book is Get Trump, but I got to get yeah. you, I got to get your uh, your your uh, legal take on this. Ted Cruz had the assistant, uh, the assistant, the deputy uh, deputy FBI director in front of him, and he wanted to find out about this unclassified document with redactions that may have revealed under those redactions that there might be seventeen tapes, two of which have Joe Biden talking to a Brisbane executive. And listen to this this deputy's answer and tell me if yeah. he is right. Cut 23. I'm just not going to comment on uh, information we received, investigations. Or you owe an matters. obligation to the American people to be candid about evidence of corruption by the president of the United States? This is uh, an area that I'm not going to get into with you, Senator. Because you're stonewalling and covering up serious allegations of evidence of corruption from the president. So we want to, he refused to answer what was yeah. uh, redacted. And refused yep. to answer if there was tapes. Did he? Did, did the FBI director do the right thing, the deputy? Well, first of all, you have to imagine how much fun it was for me to be teaching Ted Cruz because he would, in class, say things like that, too. He would <laughs> accuse everybody in class of doing things. He was a great student because he was one of the few people who was prepared to stand up to me, to stand up to other professors. So uh, it's important that we have somebody like Ted Cruz who really, really is tough. Ted Cruz is 100 percent correct. And the director, assistant director, is 100 percent wrong. Uh, you can redact names of sources. You can do all those things. But Congress, an equal branch of government to the executive, has the absolute authority to show the American public uh, any document, any tape recording, any, any, any uh, 302, any form that would confirm allegations against the president, the former president. We need transparency. Americans don't trust the system. They don't trust the FBI. They don't trust judges. They don't trust anybody. We need to see it for ourselves. That's why the trial should be on television. These documents, redacted or unredacted, should be presented to the American public. Let us judge whether or not these alleged tape recordings exist and whether they incriminate or don't incriminate, who they incriminate. What do you have to hide? Sunlight is the best disinfectant. You know what they said, Professor? Professor, he said somebody could get killed. This is what he said. He goes, somebody could get killed if I tell you that. Yeah, well, keep the name out, but don't keep the other information out. Uh, We've heard that excuse for years. You know, I was involved in the Pentagon Papers case. I was one of the lawyers in the Pentagon Papers case. The Solicitor General of the United States stood up and said, that if the Pentagon Papers is revealed, people will be killed. And the Supreme Court listened to it. But they released the Pentagon Papers. Nobody was killed. It had no effect on our national security. Uh, The government cries wolf all the time when it comes to keeping material secret. Ninety percent of material that's classified is not classified to protect the national interest. It's classified to protect the personal interest, uh, the reputational interest of people who are classifying the material. So there's too much classification, too much secrecy, and not enough transparency. And in my book, Get Trump, I go through the whole issue of uh, classification, the whole issue of how things should be disclosed, and and the whole plot, essentially, 
to try to make sure that Trump doesn't run president. For example, we now have Rachel Maddow saying there ought to be a deal. The charges should be dropped if he only drops out of the presidential race, if he promises not to run for president. And some politicians have made the same point. What could be better evidence that the goal behind this is not to seek justice? It's to get Trump running. Get Trump. You can't do that. And, Professor, would you join his legal team? Has he asked you? (laughs) I can't get into that, but I have a rule. I defend people only once, and I defended him once against unconstitutional impeachment. So I'm going to keep uh, talking in the court of public opinion and trying to defend the Constitution. But he's going to have to get good lawyers. He's going to have a hard time getting good lawyers because this Project 65 has threatened every lawyer who ever represented Trump with bringing bar charges. And when I said that I would represent anybody free who had a bar charge brought against them by Project 65, what do you think Project 65 did? They filed a bar charge against me, and they're doing it against everybody. And I've had three lawyers in the last couple of days call me and say they were asked to defend Trump, and they won't do it. They won't do it because they're frightened for their bar licenses. So this Project 65 has to be investigated and has to be put out of business. They're they're, they're McCarthyites. They're just preventing Donald Trump from getting a fair trial. Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, go out and get his book, Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Thanks, Professor. Always a pleasure. Thank you. 1-866-408-7669. I'm going to come back and take your calls. I know you have a lot to say, especially after yesterday. And BrianKillMe.com, if you'd rather put it in writing, I get your comments. Just click on comments on the site. Then Rich Lowry will break down the rest of 2024. Interesting take from Governor DeSantis. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, uh, we are back. So I got two stories going in the AI to jump into, but and I think we're we should be interested in all of them. But the one in particular, which I don't get, I and I, that's why I want to ask Professor Dershowitz, is the FBI officials, the director and assistant director, refuse to answer a question: Are there tapes out there that might show any type of extortion on any official, let alone the president of the United States? And their answer of it could get somebody killed is not a legal answer. You heard Professor Dershowitz. I mean, if you thought that there were tapes, if can you picture the FBI director in front of Adam Schiff and Adam Schiff asking, is there tapes of Donald Trump on January 6th? And the FBI director saying, I'm not going to answer that. What do you mean he's not going to answer that? Is there evidence? We're trying to get to the bottom of it. We are oversight. Of course they would say there are tapes of Donald Trump. Why would you not say there are tapes of the former vice president who is now the president? The only thing you can conclude is that they are hiding and blocking for him again, which is crazy. I just don't know. This is why people look at this and the evidence could be just tremendous against Donald Trump. People just 80 percent of the Republican Party will go. No, I don't think so. 
This is just another example of targeting. Well, it's more serious than having a break. I don't care. You guys have a bad track with me. I'm not listening. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. On Thursday, the Department of Justice indicted former President Donald Trump. I know. Oh, did you have any reaction to the news? Or are you keeping your powder dry in case you get jury duty in New York? Uh, Well, you know, John, um, I have a lot of reactions uh, to it. Uh, And I think uh, the best reaction publicly is, you know, let's see it unfold and see what happens, right? But she's selling hats and shirts to say, uh, what about, but it, about those emails? The she is the most tone deaf person you'll ever meet in your life, does not understand that most people bring up, when they bring up Donald Trump and, and the way he treats top secret classified documents, most people who, who despise Donald Trump know that Hillary Clinton got away with worse and never even achieved a position as president, even under the guise of that. And how do we know that? James Comey's press conference revealed that. All of the emails showed that. And then they end up, unlike Trump, nobody said that Trump removed those paperwork from his properties, uh, Bedminster or or Mar-a-Lago. But you know what? Everybody knows that her stuff was everywhere because it ended up in other places. Uh, Joining us now is Rich Lowry. Uh, he has a column out called Get Rid of uh, Pride Rainbows. We already have a flag that includes everyone. And, Rich, you're talking about what happened to the White House lawn, which is just a travesty. There's a rule that the White House, the highest flag at the White House always should be the American flag. Not during Pride Month with Joe Biden's White House. We'll talk about that in a second. Your take on Hillary Clinton's tone deafness first. Well, it's 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 well-established, enduring, and is one of the chief reasons she's not president of the United States. And look, this is uh, – I think this is the best case you, you can make uh, for, for Trump. It's just this is a selective prosecution. And you look at Hillary. James Comey rewrote the law on the fly to avoid indicting her because it would be too sensitive and problematic to indict a major – political figure in the run-up to, I don't know whether she was actually the nominee or the presumptive nominee at that point, but that's why he took a pass, right? And so why doesn't that apply uh, to Trump? And there, there are differences in the two cases, but but she set up this email system to avoid you know, the, the, the government record-keeping rules and avoid people knowing how intermingled the State Department business was with the Clinton Foundation. And you know, a difference was that when she was caught, you know, she was more loyally about it, you know, whereas, whereas Trump kind of kept on going in a sort of cussed way. Uh, and creating uh, obstruction offenses, but it's a, it's an enormous disparity. As well as you know, the fact the Hunter Biden case has been going on since 2018 with no resolution. There's no special counsel on the the Biden influence peddling, and there's no indication that the Biden cl- classified documents thing is is being taken as seriously as a Trump thing. So the the problem Trump has is he did it right. I mean, he did some version of this, but then. There's a reason Republicans don't take it seriously and think it's all about politics. And we know this, the timing, we believe, is going to be right around November. And this judge will probably not try a leading presidential candidate uh, around November. Uh, So if Trump goes in and wins the nomination, in theory, he could pardon himself. And if another Republican wins the nomination, the theory is they would pardon Trump. 
So we'll see if Jack Smith gets his day in court. Here's what Nikki Haley said. Should she get the nomination? Cut 10. When you look at a pardon, the issue is less about guilt and more about what's good for the country. And I think it would be terrible for the country to have a former president in prison for years because of a documents case. So I would be inclined in favor of a pardon. As would uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, we had Governor DeSantis condemn the process in two tiers of justice. We know that Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie would never, uh, doesn't seem to do that, although I'll ask him next hour. He's going to join me in studio. So your thoughts about the Republican tact. My feeling is game plan this out. If Trump loses the nomination, if you want to guarantee that he won't roll out in a third party and you want him to support you, mm-hmm. say, listen, man, I win. You're pardoned. And then he's yeah. on board. Yeah, I, I think it's the the right thing. You know, this is all speculative and, you know, how, how, how any of this is going to play out, no one knows. But uh, it, it makes a lot of sense to pardon him sort of on Ford Nixon grounds. You know, let's just try to move beyond this. It's just going to poison our politics, divide our, our country, and it will be just terrible all around to have a former president in jail. And not in jail. You know, this is a serious offense. Other people have gone to jail for it. But, you know, he didn't shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, right? Um, it, it, it wouldn't have been – it wouldn't have shot the conscience of Jack Smith had just written a report and said, I'm not going to indict him on this for sort of the same grounds that the company took a pass on Hillary. So I, I think a pardon is a legitimate part of the, the conversation. I wonder if DeSantis is going to go there or is going to be more, you know, the, the out from the pardon discussion, if you don't want to go there because you worry about some political aspect of it or just don't agree with it on the merits, would be to say, you know, he says he's innocent. I'm not going to pardon an innocent man. He'll have his day in, in court. And if you ask for a pardon, then I'll then I'll consider it. So listen to, if you want to know about bias and coverage, I'm sure you've been flipping around watching different coverages. I just wish CNN would have more people on their panels. Uh, it is just, I mean, how many people? 13? Have you ever been on a CNN panel? No, I have. I have. It, was, it wasn't a, a, a period of my life I'm proud of, Brian, but I was on some of these Anderson Cooper panels. It'd be eight people. It was during the Russia hoax furor, and six of them would be convinced that there was Russian collusion. And, and then, then there'd be like one Trump supporter who's like all out, you know, all, all in on Trump. And then there'd be me just say, I don't think it's true. You know, I'll yeah. change my mind if there's, yeah. if there's facts or otherwise. But none of those six people, you know, and there's a rotating cast of millions ever went back and said, we were wrong. We regret Never. it. Uh, yeah. So. so I want you to hear Jake Tapper on the air. Everyone's like, oh, he's fair. He gives you a fair, a, a fair charge. So we don't see anything from Donald Trump out of nowhere. He gets out at a cafe and meets people, greets people, and they sing happy birthday to him. Listen to the reaction live on CNN, Cut 14. As we watch uh, Donald Trump attempt to turn his arrest and indictment into some sort of campaign commercial, uh, we need to remember that the reason we are watching this is because Donald Trump is accused of breaking some very serious national security laws uh, and then obstructing and refusing to cooperate with the FBI. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He, this, he's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we, like we haven't heard what Tapper just said on CNN already, you know, for years. And this is why the Chris Lick, you know, experiment failed, right? They, they just can't be fair, right? And uh, they, they can't hide their opinions when when you're a, a, supposed to be a straight news anchor, or at least, you know, have half and half panels. Uh, they just can't, they, they can't do it. And this is obviously part of the story. You know, Trump, his argument is this is a politicized indictment, and he's going to make political use of it to make the case against it and try to help himself. That's not 
inherently wrong. That's not something you shouldn't cover. It's something that's happening and is really important involving the leading Republican candidate for president of the United States. Well, he was pretty defiant in his speech and very direct in what he thought to his thing was equate to. He says, these are my presidential papers. I did not have a chance to go through it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he said the, the Clinton Sox case is applicable here. He talked about what Hillary was able to do with documents. And then he talked about just trying to jail your opponent. So he was on prompter last night with a pretty specific speech. So it surprised me. I was doing the 8 o'clock show, and I thought it was be an 8.15 speech. It was an 8.45 speech. They ran a little bit behind considering had to, everything. Had to, work, had to do all that work, extra, uh, extra half an hour of work on air, Brian. You know what, Rich? You really hurt my feelings. I did have to adjust. That's when I thought. I'm like, this is kind of just wing it. And then he ends up, they said 200 people. It was way more than 200 people. So he does feel that he had some support. But I want to uh, fast, before I let you go, I want to get your take on what's going on with the Biden investigation. Oversight, uh, oversight ranking member, Senator Chuck Grassley, goes up and shocks everybody and said, we hear there's 17 tapes, two of which have Joe Biden's name on it, getting uh, pledging getting $5 million from a Burisma executive, talking about how... Hunter Biden is dumb, therefore we need Joe, and this is pretty damning. But we haven't seen the tapes, and then guess what? Uh, Senator Grassley hasn't heard the tapes, but he hears there are the tapes, and it's listed in a redacted, unclassified memo that Christopher Ray did not want to turn over, so he left him, made them watch in a skiff on the oversight on the House. So here is the deputy director of the FBI yesterday, Paul Abadi, cut 24. So you chose to redact the the fact that there are 17 voice recordings, two of those with the now president. You chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight. I have no idea if there are voice recordings or not. What I will tell you with respect to the document, the document was redacted to protect the source, as everyone knows. And this is a question of life and death, potentially. so she said to redact the name, but not the act and the number of tapes. And she would he would not confirm or deny it. Yeah. So let's let's see and learn and more and hear more. You know, that, that's that's the only answer here. I mean, Chuck Grassley is a, a serious guy. He's been in this business a long time. He's done a lot of work with whistleblowers. So if he says it, I, I uh, inherently take it seriously. But we got to we got we to gotta learn more. But my point, Rich, is if the FBI is not going to tell you. And not going to unredact. You just heard him. We're not doing that. People could die. How does this move forward? How do you find out where the tapes are? You have to work around the people with the intelligence in our intelligence bureau. So oversight's got to go around the FBI. Is that is that sound right to you? Uh, no, and a bit of be continued warfare uh, like they've been waging with Ray, and they, you know, they got not what they wanted uh, fully. Right, it was this redacted version that that only a couple of people could look at, but they got Ray to, to at least bend if they didn't break him, and they're just going to have to to keep working at that. All right, uh, I guess you're over it then. So I, I'm just a little frustrated about the entire process. Oh uh, no, 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 no uh, that's totally legit. All right, so lastly. Governor DeSantis put together a plan uh, how he'd revamp the FBI and the Justice Department. I think when the Fuhrer dies down, that'll be the story. This is bad. Well, this is how I'll fix it. A lot of people thought in 2022, they said the economy's bad. We don't think the president's on top of things. Afghanistan disaster. Well, what would you do? And maybe 2022 didn't have that answer. It seems like Ron DeSantis got that memo. 
Yeah, and this is uh, the whole message of his campaign, right, is uh, I, I, I hear your concerns. I, I take them seriously, um, and, and I'm actually – I'm going to win and do something about them. I have specific plans, and I have a record of being being able to follow through on pretty much everything I've said in Florida. Now, Washington, D.C., obviously a different beast, but that that's his, his argument. And I, I think it's appropriate not just to complain about two-tiered system uh, of justice and the deep state right. and all that, but what do you actually – Actually, going to do <laughs> because the the history of Republicans in office for decades now. You get in, you get frustrated by the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy lives on, and you go away. And that's the dynamic that has to change. Rich uh, at the White House, they had Pride Month. They had a celebration day. At which time, a transgender uh, idiot influencer uh, took his shirt off after after shaking hands uh, with the president. Here's KJP on their White House reaction. The behavior was simply unacceptable. Uh, we've been very clear about that. It was unfair to the hundreds of attendees who were there to celebrate their families. Uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to be clear on that. And uh, that type of behavior is, uh, as I said, unacceptable. It's not appropriate. It's disrespectful. So go, go to TikTok, which should be banned. Get an influencer, which you keep on doing, and then you mm-hmm. put them in a situation you expect them to act with class when she, yeah. Yeah. when he or she has <laughs> right. not shown zero class to this point. Yeah, he's a, a free free the nipple activist, I guess. At least according to the TikTok video I saw yesterday. Yeah, you're right. So, so don't don't give them the platform in the first place. I was a little surprised though that the how strenuous the White House reaction was, which I think is at least some recognition that they can go too far in in this area. And you've seen it in the polling. You know, it's uh, it's against all these uh, new new social justice ventures, whether it's males competing against women in, in sports or whatever else it is, or these quote unquote gender affirming. Uh, care for for minors, uh, and it's it's shifted more in an anti direction than it was before, which is just a a reaction to this kind of excess. So it it shows at least the the White House is somewhat attuned to that. Lastly, Rich, when we come up with a poll in a week after this dust is settled on this indictment, will Trump numbers be up, flat, or down? They'll be flat or up. Uh, they'll only be flat because there's no more room to, to go up. But the, <laughs> if there is room to go up, it, it, he'll do it. So uh, it's, a, it's a bad day. Uh, it's you know, it's going to be another bad couple of weeks for everyone else in the field. Go get him, Rich Lowry. Always great. Hey, thanks, Brian. All right, 1-866-408-7669. I'll be back with your calls in just a moment. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Are you going to be spending time on solving this problem? I think I'm too old to solve new problems. I've done my, I've done my bit of solving problems. I, I will help, but I'm planning to retire. Uh, you leave, you leave us. That doesn't. You leave out the humanity in a lurch. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it? Well, maybe your, maybe your students are going to. And my students are very capable, and many of the people I've worked with are working on this. Yeah, let's hope. That is the father of AI who's worried that it's going to destroy, destroy humanity. So he walked away from his AI project and then says, I'm going to retire after scaring the hell out of everybody about what AI is capable of doing if it gets in the wrong hands and if the proper guide rails aren't set up. But this guy's name is Jeffrey Hinton. 
So he's on with Fareed Zakaria talking in that highbrow elitist way. But I always find that show interesting. I really do. So even if I don't agree, it's always a different perspective. They always have different guests. And he's, he's, you know, he's one of these guys that goes into all these boardrooms and is lauded. So he's asked Jeffrey Hinton on. He says how bad it is. It could turn on humanity and destroy us all and the planet. And he's still going to retire. Is that insane? Here's Chuck Schumer, of all people, saying we got to go ahead and we got to set up guardrails because there's already people using deep fakes, putting together kidnapping pox, trying to extort people when there's no one actually in your family kidnapped, but they've taken the voice of, let's say, your child, and they're trying to get money, thinking it's a life and death situation. Cut 32. It was an amazing briefing. I think everyone learned a lot. We had a really good attendance, a good bipartisan attendance, which shows you the thirst that there is for knowledge among the Senate. If I had to describe my feelings after this, there would be two words, both urgency and humility. Urgency because this is moving so damn fast, and we really, there are going to be all kinds of things that happen that have consequences, good and bad, that we should get on top of. Yeah, um, this is one thing I thought bipartisan, but no one really can figure out what exactly it is because the other was capable of. But I want to play this from Je- Jennifer Stefano. This could happen to you. Listen to what happened to her. Cut 34. Money scams have been around for thousands of years. This is entirely different. This is terrorizing lasting trauma. Even months later, sharing the story makes me shake to my core. It was my daughter's voice. It was her cries. It was her sobs. It was the way she spoke. I will never be able to shake that voice and the desperate cries for help out of my mind. It's every parent's worst nightmare to hear your child pleading with fear and pain, knowing that they are being harmed and that you're helpless. The longer this form of terror remains unpunishable, the farther and more egregious it will become. There is no limit to the depth of evil AI can enable. No longer can we trust seeing is believing, or I heard it with my own ears, or even the sound of your own child's voice. The concept redefines and re-rewrites what the very meaning of familiarity means. I ask you, when your mother calls, are you going to hang up on her and call her back to make sure it's her? So Jennifer DiStefano had her somebody mock up her daughter's voice almost exactly using AI. And guess what? Because she didn't pay the extortion money and she finally found it wasn't her daughter just in time, they found out who the guy was. But he wasn't prosecuted because there was no crime. It was only an attempt, believe it or not. They didn't find anything to charge him with. So meanwhile, who else is he terrorizing? And one of the things they say is you better not tell anyone or we're going to kill her. Amazing. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, uh, around the world. A lot going on, obviously. I was able to host the 8 o'clock show last night. In and out. The president was a little bit late. Former president was a little bit late. Supposed to be an 8.15 speech. It was an 8.45 speech. But what he said I thought was very significant. It surprised me. I thought it was going to be one of those magic marker speeches where he jots a few things down on an empty page and just kind of goes with it. But this thing was written, and you got a sense of his mindset and maybe his defense. With me right now to expand on that. And who's not afraid to tell me when he thinks I'm wrong, but even though I know I'm right, but I let him go. Uh, Governor, nice Chris, Governor Chris Christie's here. <laughs> uh, he's a 2024 GOP presidential candidate. As of last week. 
Uh, and he just fresh off a town hall on another network. Uh, John Chris at the bottom of the hour, a deep thinker, funny guy on stage and on film. Uh, Governor, great to see you. Good to be with you, Brian. Thanks for having me. So how's the first week been? It's been great. I mean, the energy has been really good. I've been everywhere. I've been in New Hampshire, um, as you said, to the town hall last night on a competing network, and uh, or Monday night, rather. It went really well. Uh, and, and I was in D.C. yesterday uh, doing the Ruthless podcast and a couple of other things. So uh, we're all over the place in the first week, and the response from the public by donors and everything else has been really good. So uh, I want to bring you to uh, President Trump because he didn't wing the speech. Number one, were you surprised by that? I'm always surprised when he doesn't wing it. Because I thought it was going to be the magic marker. Here's a few points. Yeah. And he was in front of a lot of people that liked him on his day, eve of his birthday after becoming the first president to be indicted, indicted on federal charges. I want you to hear a little bit of what he said. Cut four. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44-page indictment. Under the Presidential Records Act, which is civil, not criminal, I had every right to have these documents. Your thoughts on his his stance. Is he right about espionage? He's dead wrong. Even on espionage? Yeah, he's dead wrong, Brian, because specifically in the Presidential Records Act, they exclude agency documents. They exclude CIA documents. They exclude DOD documents. They exclude them specifically. He couldn't be more wrong. Wait, on the Presidential Records Act yes. or the espionage? No, the uh, Presidential Records Act does not cover national security and national intelligence documents. It covers the other documents. He only got indicted on national security and intelligence documents. He is dead wrong. And, and so he puts up this baloney argument, and that's what that was. That's like... I took all these documents and kept them illegally, and but I want you to know that this other thing is civil, and I'm allowed to keep whatever I want. Well, it's not. He doesn't get to keep intelligence documents. Those are the property of the United States government, not of any particular president. So how do you feel about them flipping his attorney, uh, Evan Corcoran, and saying, hey, by the way, uh, you got to turn on your client. Have you ever done that? Have I ever turned on my client? No. Have you ever, when you were a prosecutor, uh, did, oh, you yes. ever, did you ever get the attorney to testify against a client? Twice, because of exactly what they did with Evan Corcoran. There was the crime fraud exception. If the attorney is involved in assisting the client commit a crime or a fraud, they no longer have privilege. The, I talked to two attorneys. Uh, one doesn't like Trump. One is uh, was working for him, who said they're vulnerable there. That they found a judge that gave him the, the ability to flip Corcoran, give him the information, the text message, the electronics, and said that's where they should look to get everything Corcoran gave thrown out. Well, I'm sure they're going to make every motion in the book they can. That's what defense lawyers do, and that's what they should do because the government should be held to the standard of having to meet the law specifically. But I will tell you this. Evan Corcoran was worried about what he was asking, what, what Trump was asking him to do. That's why he made those voice memos. Lawyers don't do that, Brian. You don't make a voice memo, contemporaneous voice memo, about every meeting you have with a client. You don't do it. You only do it if you're trying to memorialize what's being asked of you because you believe that the client is asking you to do something unethical or illegal, which was clearly based on, the, on what Evan Corcoran has said, what Donald Trump was doing. And let's go back to Presidential Records Act. 
everyone who's listening needs to understand this. If you're talking about documents that he's created, that Donald Trump has created, notes of his, or that non-national security staff has created, then that's covered by the Presidential Records Act. But the presidential daily brief, the, the highest intelligence briefing that a president gets every day, that is not the president's work product. That's not his document. It's created by the CIA, right. by the NSA, not covered by the Presidential Records Act. And by the way, that's why the Presidential Records Act is not mentioned in the indictment, because they're not charging him under that. They're charging him because he kept intelligence documents that he is not legally allowed to keep. Does it blow you away that there's a system in place for any president over the last 25 years where the documents could be so accessible and movable? To whether you own a Doral or a Bedminster, does it blow you away that you could have a bunch of interns pack up boxes and in full view at two in the afternoon load it onto a helicopter? I mean, if they're that important, I cannot believe we got to this point. But let me ask you a question, Brian. He was president of the United States at the time. Who was going to tell him he couldn't? Everybody. No, but he's. Isn't there a system in place? There is a system in place where he's told what he can keep and what he can't. He disregarded it. And if you're like an aide to the president of the United States and he says, hey, I've gone through that. Those are mine. I want to keep them, put them on the helicopter. What are you going to do? Say, sir, I'd like to have the opportunity to review that to see if you, the president of the United States, complying with the law. Here's the problem, Brian. Donald Trump has turned everything on its head. And and what we have here is something he did as alleged in the indictment that was clearly not right. And he's now looking to blame everybody else. It's his fault. He made these judgments. So uh, right now we saw uh, Nikki Haley come out and say, listen, uh, for whatever reason that she had, I would pardon if I get the nomination. I become president. We saw Vivek Ramaswamy said, the first thing I'm telling you right now, everybody should follow my lead and pardon (laughs) the former president when I become president. Uh, We know that Asa Hutchinson has no interest in that. If Governor Christie gets the nomination and if you get the nomination, you're going to win the general. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, I think it's the harder for you to get the nomination. So if you get it, would you pardon the president? I think it's impossible to answer that right now and be fair. Remember, the pardon power is the power to say if you if someone, you think someone's been treated unfairly, if you think there's not been a fair trial, you have to consider all those things. Um, I can't imagine if he gets a fair trial um, that I would pardon him. I can't imagine that I would. Remember the other problem. To accept a pardon, you have to admit your guilt. To accept a pardon, you have to say yes. I, I was I was wrong, and I and I accept the pardon. I can't imagine Donald Trump would ever do that. That's so interesting because life in prison or accepting. I'm saying he's convicted, by the way. And well, which is and, anything. And look, he will not get life in prison. I mean, you know, well, ten years could be life. But, I mean, he's seventy-seven. Right, but I, I don't. Judges have broad discretion on this, and what you're what people are reporting, and the press loves to do this, is report the maximums right under the statute. The, the, the sentencing guidelines are less than that. And, in fact, right. a judge will use, in this case, her discretion um, to decide. Because at that point, he probably would be, by the time this is resolved, he turns 77 today. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Um, he'll be 78 years old. All of that will come into effect if he's convicted and how he would be sentenced. And so, right. you know, I, I, 
I Over, think, but overall, I'm going to take a step back. Yeah. You live the law. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, alleviated by the fact that I did not go to law school. <laughs> Congratulations. Very, thank you. I was at Sports Phone making $12,000 a year. Uh, we all make decisions. <laughs> we do. Right. We do. I love the job, by the way. Yeah, it's I felt like bad. I was overpaid. About, and I Nine seven six one three one three. By the way, I loved Sports Phone and spent a lot of my hard-earned money on Sports Phone getting scores. It predated all sports no radio. No phones. Why nothing. were you not working with me? Because you're such a sports guy. I'm telling you, if I if I had found a way to work at Sports Phone, I would have. Steve I don't K- know if I could speak fast enough to do it. You, you're a fast talker. You it's get because that of Sports Phone. I'm still trying to get off this. I should get some therapy. <laughs> but uh, I, I just want to hear, I, since I don't have that legal background, I, sometimes I take a step back and go, okay, shouldn't take in the documents. Self-inflicted wound to me, no question. Having said that, nobody's even alleging that he gave it to Iran. He gave, didn't give it to another country. He didn't sell it. No doubt about it. He wanted there because you said it, too. He loves memorabilia. He wanted he to show off. To, he wanted to show off. Right. That's why he keeps the, the clips and stuff. He wanted to show off and say, hey, listen, this was it. I want to bring you back to that moment. So having said that, can you believe that we have this precedent on documents to put a former president, rip a leading nominee uh, off the GOP stand or make or put a possible next president in prison over papers? Yeah, because those papers are pretty important papers. The attack plan on Iran, if we were to militarily attack Iran. 32 years old and dead in the water. But, but, but Brian, you think that plan changes a lot? Okay. I'm gonna... Iran is where Iran is, Brian, you know? And let me just say one last thing. He did it. No one else did this to him. He did it. And by the way, why is he flying the documents to Bedminster for summer vacation? Does anybody tell him he's not the president anymore? He doesn't need these papers anymore? Well, I will say this. He hasn't even brought this up. But he was doing a book uh, on letters, letters with other uh, letters with other leaders. and But that's 45 book publishers, so I think he was probably and, looking to do that. And by the way, fine. Then take the letters. The okay. Iraq, the Iran attack plan is not one of the uh, letters from a foreign leader. you tell leader. I didn't go to law school? <laughs> I mean, he's already been. All right, so listen, can we play this? The guy you worked with up until you became a candidate at George Stephanopoulos. Yeah. I, I just can't believe how oblivious people, not, not saying they're not smart, oblivious to people uh, looking on other people besides Donald Trump, including yep. other nominees. So this is Jim Trusty, who was a t- attorney for Donald Trump, on with George Stephanopoulos. Listen to this. Okay. You've got these investigations in Delaware that are a thousand times more serious by a sitting president who has authorized his DOJ to try to sink the candidacy of his prime opposition while that guy has unsecured documents that he stole out of a skiff dozens of years ago. So, look, you know, we're not talking what about some talking sort about, of sir? favoritism. What are you talking about? That is a ridiculous statement. Uh, there's this issue... <laughs> nice try. There's an issue that anyone that reads any newspapers would agree is a parallel track. There's 1,850 boxes that have never been fully looked at at University of Delaware. And he went on to say they're in his garage. And it's just, you know, George Seven Elbows. He was totally oblivious to these facts that there was a counter narrative to there's a counter problem with the current president. Look. The current president, when he was vice president, took those documents. Maybe a senator, too, right. because University of Delaware. Has them. And, and I don't know what national security access he had or didn't have and what was classified or was classified. But, but you know be, there's dozens. But it should be investigated. Yeah. Right? It should be investigated, and it should be looked at. And by the way, if he committed some crime in that, then it's got to be referred to the Congress for impeachment proceedings. Because as president, he can't be prosecuted. 
the only avenue. We've gone through this before, right? Right. Um, with Bill Clinton. We've gone through this before now with Donald Trump. If he's president, then it's got to be referred to Congress for and to the House, most specifically, for impeachment. And if there is something there, it should be. What I would say to you is the other thing that needs to be done is this Hunter Biden investigation needs to be brought to a conclusion. Now, the guy investigating it is Donald Trump's appointee. He's the Republican U.S. attorney in Delaware who's still there, was not relieved of his duties. Twice. Right? And look, if I were U.S. attorney, you know what I used to do, Brian? I would set dates. I would say to the assistant U.S. attorneys, like, by the way, May 25th, that's the day you tell me yes or no on what you want to do here. And I'm printing T-shirts. That's going to be the day. So once the T-shirts are printed, you have to set deadlines and you have to get people moving because the country is watching. Not if your boss doesn't want you to come to a conclusion on it and he's in no rush. And that boss is President Biden. But you, but here's the thing. What I'm sure Mr. Weiss knows is that once this investigation is concluded, he's going to be asked to move on just like any Republican would gotcha. be in a Democratic administration or otherwise. I don't think he cares what Merrick Garland thinks. Except for him to get his job done. He should get his job done. Governor Christie here. He's running for president of the United States. We'll talk about him when we get back. And I do have something uh, else on the on the horizon for him to tackle. Excellent. He's capable of doing it, even though the Mets lost last night. A lot of people would still be in bed right now. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the group of 30,000 emails returned to the State Department in 2014, 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. Eight of those chains contained information that was top secret at the time they were sent. 36 of those chains contained secret information at the time, and eight contained confidential information at the time. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. James Comey, the Hillary Clinton famously emails, bad. She's so clueless. She's making statements about Trump. Yeah. This this woman smashed the Blackberries at somebody with the server, refused to comply with the subpoena, had her tech guy. She refused. should have been charged. Right. So that's when, when I and brought Jim this up. Comey, and Jim Comey is a disgrace. And what he did was not only substantively wrong, but who the hell is he to be making that announcement? Yeah. He's not the attorney general of the United States. He was the director of the FBI. His job is to investigate. Prosecutors decide whether to bring a case or not. What he did there was a coup d'etat at the Justice Department. And, and, and a soft Lynch, landing. Right. And a soft landing for Hillary Clinton. Exactly right, because he wanted Hillary Clinton to be president of the United States. Look, I said this at my town hall on but Monday Loretta night. Lynch, when it, that Loretta Lynch, yeah. she would never have brought anything. She would never she, even heard she this. She didn't bring anything. And look, I said this on, on Monday night. Hillary Clinton should have been prosecuted, and in my view, Jim Comey should have been prosecuted. But because she wasn't, does it exonerate this president? No, it does not. It does not, because every case must be decided on its own merits, Brian. And Mm -hmm. just because they screwed it up with Hillary Clinton does not mean that Donald Trump can violate the law 
and and get away with it. Uh, I don't. I if, feel, if that's I feel fact talking about so much about another candidate that feels a little bit insulting to you because I think you're <laughs> as talented, and smart, and experienced as anybody in the country. Uh, if this is your time, you'll emerge if you're given an even shot. That's right. I just know you're vehemently against the guy who's now leading. Yep. The second guy, Governor DeSantis, I know you've been critical of, and you should. You got you got to beat him. All right, Governor yeah, DeSantis. You got to right? distinguish yourself. Right. But would you take the pledge that? Uh, that Ronna McDaniel wants everyone to, to take, that you will support the nominee if it's not you. I will sign the pledge and take it just as seriously as Donald Trump did in 2016. Did he? He, he was signed the nominee. It. He signed it. Wait. And then at the next debate, after he signed it, they asked all of us. It was Fox News right. debate. They asked all of us, you signed the pledge. Will all of you tonight raise your hand and reaffirm the pledge that you, in fact, will support the nominee no matter right. who it is? Nine of us raised our hands, and Donald Trump didn't. But you never put yourself to Donald Trump's standard. Why now? Because I think the pledge is a stupid idea. Oh, so you... you... I, I look, I'll sign it because you need to sign it to get on the stage, and I'll take it just as seriously as Donald Trump did because, by the way, when he didn't reaffirm it on the stage, he was at the next debate. They didn't kick him off the stage. Right. I don't think he's going to any debates. Do you think he's going to any debates? Oh, he better. Because if he doesn't come to debates, he will lose for certain. Republican voters... Love him because he's a fighter. More than anything else, they love him because he's a fighter. If he shows himself unwilling to fight on that stage against a group of very qualified right. candidates, then guess what? Right. He's going down the toilet. Governor Christie never never worked at Sports Phone, but was a governor. He's I would anyway. I wish I would have worked at Sports Phone. He wishes he did. <laughs> Thanks, Governor. Really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me, Brian. Best of luck out there. You got it, buddy. GovernorChristie.com. ChrisChristie.com, baby. Go and donate. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Yo, I've been walking around. I've been walking around Salt Lake for like an afternoon. This city cannot, literally, cannot get enough of Pride Month. Just literally drinking out of a fire hose. And they, I, I was thinking to myself, has any city like waved the white flag quicker and like surrendered easier than Salt Lake City? Except for obviously PGA Tour surrendering to the Live Tour. Has anyone else has, has anyone else given up without a fight quicker than Salt Lake? Like used to be, the capital of the LDS Church, very values-based city. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't buy alcohol on Sundays. The alcohol you do buy is like has less alcoholic content. Like very a lot of rules and just the progressive movement came in and just immediately like, we're sorry, we didn't mean to offend anyone. Please do whatever you want. Take our city. Like. Even Texas, they're like, hey, we want to wave the pride flag. And they're like, nah, we're good. We love you, but nah, I don't think so. Salt Lake City just just gave up, dude. So that is, uh, you know, John Chris is one of our favorite all-time comedians and personalities. Uh, you know, he's one of the hottest comedians in the country. Does it all through social media, YouTube and Instagram. I imagine some, uh, the TikTok stuff, too. But that's him just in Salt Lake City where he had an appearance. He just fired up his camera. I think he might be doing his own camera work and just said, look. It's one of the most conservative cities in the country, and they've, they're so pandering. They have pride flags everywhere. And I say this. No one's anti-gay. Be, you live your life. Who what happens. This is the transgender thing, taking over women's sports, teaching kids. They can pick their gender. All that stuff is out of control, and you see it again in Pride Month at the White House. 
So with me right now is John Chris. John, you missed when I played some of your finest work in Salt Lake City. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. Good to hear the familiar voice, baby. What's going on, Mary? So, so John, first off, what prompted you to do that? You land in Salt Lake City. Did you have an appearance, or did you hear about this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I flew all the way up there to see the prize. No, I had a show. <laughs> uh, I had a show that night, and we, you know, they t- they literally take us from the airport uh, in a car to the hotel, and I walked around like, and I was like, dude, this place has, j- and I, and this place has just been absolutely overrun, and it's just like I've seen the pride stuff. Obviously, I live in Nashville; it's not uncommon, but that was you couldn't take three steps without seeing it somewhere. So, what is the reason? You know what Salt Lake City represents. The, the Church That's of Latter Day, the Church of Latter Day Saints. So, what do you think? They they all of a sudden they're, they're trying to pander. Well, no, it seemed like when I because every literally everybody in my comment sections and everybody in the video, the video had been reposted by a, a bunch of other like local Salt Lake people, and they were like, basically, it sounds like these people are everybody in Salt Lake is former LDS, right? So they're they're former. And they're like kind of it. They're you know, they're kind of like those. I'm mad at my parents, and I'm gonna get back at them type huh. situation. It's like, and and I don't morality aside. Like if you lived in, you know, if we I live in Nashville, we have a bunch of honky tonks and a bunch of country bars. If somebody's like, hey, we're making all these bars techno music, it's almost like the people in Nashville just be like, all right, sounds good. There was no, just no fight because I've been going there since. What 2015, and I know those. I know, I know the people of Salt Lake, and I know what that city stands for. It's just wild to see so fast. I think. So you have this. Uh, you have this very Christian background. So you can go pretty yeah. deep on the Bible, and you find the humor in it. Not many people oh, yeah. do that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, have you found that when you go to a Christian community, sometimes they're taking what you're saying as blasphemy? Uh, no, nah, it's really. It, it's really like when I just started comedy. Uh, everybody in the comments was like, so is this guy a Christian or not? You know, like if, if, if I'm making fun of like, uh, you know, let's say if I'm making fun of McDonald's or something, but I work at McDonald's, it's like, oh no, he, he loves it here. He works here. He's just kind of roasting it. Cause this is his life. This is his family. So once everybody knew that I was on the team, they kind of they kind of let the line out a little longer, kind of make me let me uh, make fun of some. First, mm-hmm. you know, if, if if somebody does a documentary on church and they work for Vice or uh, you know Huffington Post, right? yeah. oh, these people are definitely against it. So it's one of those type of things. Yeah. Well, Bill Maher did something that I don't think you'll do. I think he did like a two-hour <laughs> documentary to prove there's no God. I mean, yeah, well, you to know, me that's I not even a good I bet. on that one. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, why not just go with there is a God just in case? Because if there's no yeah, God, if, no one's going to be mad at you. Yeah. If you're going to be if you're going to be wrong on something. Right. Might be might might take the other side. It like, takes a, I feel yeah. like it takes a lot of faith to believe that there's no God more than there does. That there would there would be one. I know. I mean, can you imagine dying, finding out you're wrong and there you are with God? I mean, he, does he have to forgive you? Do you know? Does he have to? <laughs> you know. Is it I, don't know what book, I don't know what book of the Bible answers that question, Brian. That's a good. That's a good. I should. I should double. I should ask my Bible study leader. Exactly. If you don't mind doing some research, <laughs> yeah. you have Google yeah. for a reason. Uh, yeah. John, John Christ, our guest. So, John, it got out of control at the White House. Who would have yeah. thought you a bunch of get a, a bunch of flamboyant transgenders who made their name as TikTok influencers, and they wouldn't yeah, be as disciplined thought? as you thought? Uh, so, no, you listen to a little happen. of this. The best you we can transfer it to radio. 
We take a little video. Hi, Mr. President. It is an honor. Fans' rights and human rights. Are we topless at the White House? So then, right after the president walks away, <laughs> he takes off his shirt and he has breasts sewn on. So I guess, yep. yeah. So, and that they, the, even the White House said that was inappropriate. Hey, listen, LL's have to ask my Bible study leader if looking at that, if I can get in trouble for looking at that, because it's technically not porn because it's a guy. Right. Do you want me to wait? Do you want to ask now? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, I think does the does the does the movement like. I th- when does the gender when does the gender movement like wave the white flag? Because I, I feel like where I live in Nashville, even the people on the left are like, all right, this is this is kind of gone too far. Like me, the, the like the like normal like gay people that are like, hey, we just want to live in peace and we yeah. have we want to have the same rights that everyone else. They, even they it. are like, hey, this is too much, dude. Put it this way. Caitlyn Jenner says it's too much. I mean, do I need to fo- do a follow-up question there? Yeah. Like, hey, this is y'all's team. Like, this is y'all's team. Like, yeah, hey, what's going on? Yeah, it, it turns it, out. We're playing his game just, plan. Yeah, this is what people just want. Like, people just want attention. Like, if you just said, hey, like, same with the Salt Lake thing. Hey, I haven't really forgiven my parents. And, like, I'm, I'm, I kind of just need some attention. Just say that. We'll put you on the TikTok. Just say that. <laughs> Don't. There's real people with real, like, like issues that are struggling. Don't, don't put them at risk. Don't, don't say you represent all of them. I'm going to make you feel like a real uh, political commentator. I'm going to play the press secretary's response to the flashing incident. Cut 39. Okay. I think I saw this. Yeah. The behavior was simply unacceptable. Uh, We've been very clear about that. It was unfair to the hundreds of attendees who were there to celebrate their families. Uh, So, you know, we're going to continue to be clear on that and uh that type of behavior is uh, as i said unacceptable it's not appropriate it's and i'm playing and john i'm really playing this for you because you will be invited to the white house one day and i want you i don't <laughs> want you rebuked okay thanks thanks yeah that for that help that's very helpful okay so well it's just like if, if if they're saying this this has gone too far like we've been saying that for years we've been saying that like that <laughs> I mean, but, but the, other, the other thing, and, and we're playing the clip now on television, the other thing that we just got to handle is is transgender men playing women's sports. I mean, all these people who <laughs> yeah. have dreams of, of of having this, winning a state championship, being number one in a marathon or the, or the 400 yeah. meters, you will never yeah. do it if this is allowed. Being the start yeah. of the next time we, we, we play Brazil in the World Cup, they have a transgender center midfielder. We will no longer be yeah. world champions. Are we okay no, no, with that? Uh, no, I did. I don't think I, I this is this is my honest thoughts, Brian. I think a lot of people listening to this on the right and the left, but like no one, no one believes that like that, 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 that the genders should compete in sports together. No, no one believes that. Like no same with same with Salt Lake City. Like no one believes any of this, but people are are like if you go to you work at a company, you're like, hey, everyone's wearing a pride a pride hat today. You don't want to get fired. And you don't want so you just everybody that's why I said I was surprised Salt Lake City was taken so gotcha. quickly. And and, that's and what same you think with women's sports. Yeah. Uh, they're just like, you don't want to get fired. So, so John, the other thing we did talk about on the show over the last couple of weeks, probably did it three times on television, is this tipping mania. 
And like the other day, I went oh, to get no. a smoothie. I get the smoothie, and they they flip it around, and they they want me to tip, and I do tip. Uh, yeah. And I because I feel terrible if I don't. And plus, these people, are, yep. I I'm glad they took the job. But I yep. mean, if I came to your place, I ordered it, I came to pick it up, you made it, and I'm who am I tipping? I am the Uber yep. Eats guy, and it's I'm going to eat your stuff. Isn't that enough? I, yeah. Well, it's that's the same. It's the same type of energy. It's like you don't want to get like I as you don't want to get seen. Tipping zero, and somebody goes, oh, wow, Brian Kilme doesn't tip. Like, everybody's so scared of the social shame or the shame yes. that they everybody just goes along with everything. So you they did this really... at Home Depot, didn't you? Where can we see uh, that tape? Yeah, yeah was, I, I, made, I uh, got a Home Depot uniform, and I told a guy that the plumbing was in aisle six, and then I asked for a tip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, hey, but, Brian, let me ask you, and you know this is what everybody wants to know. At the at at the airport massage chair, do you tip? Yes, absolutely. Why does it bother you that I like to get a massage at the airport? It bothers everybody, dude. I'm the only one selling. (laughs) Eric, does it bother you? I mean, (laughs) Allison seems to support it. (laughs) But I mean, if you're at the airport, it's by by nature you're tense. Yeah, you're you're. T- oh, yeah. It's, you need to be loosened up at the airport. You sit down at that chair at, at your gate while everyone's like w- drinking a latte, watching you get massaged. Okay, let me just give you some inside information I wasn't willing to share. <laughs> at the massage okay. envy uh, sleepaway camp, everybody <laughs> at the end there's a uh, there's a guy who shows up and they try to get people jobs. Everybody wants oh, yeah. the airport massage envy job. No way, really. No, I made that up. But I was yeah, trying that's, that's to no sound convincing. Way. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's the, the campy word. That, that, are they good massages, though? They put you on the right track? I've never said to myself, you're really not very good. I just said to myself, this has been good. You know what? I'm not, I'm not laying down. I'm in the neck chair. Oh, you're sitting up. Yeah, that's I'm fully dressed. I don't yeah. get undressed. Well, I saw you with your shirt off once, but that, they didn't ask that. You just did that on You did that by yourself. Yeah, I was at the White House, and I got really caught up in myself. <laughs> so, so, John, if I wanted to find out you know, to read your appearances out loud, would you be against that? I, I mean, there, there's probably fifty or sixty of them, but you're not. We don't have time for the whole. I'll thing. I'll go through. But, to, well, yeah, why are you working so hard, John? dot com slash tour. But Sacramento, California, on the twenty third. Fresno on the twenty fourth. Oh, yeah. Thousand Oaks on the twenty fifth. Las Vegas, June thirtieth. Uh, K Dawn, the talk of Las Vegas, one hundred one point five FM. One hundred one point five is our affiliate. So I want you to go drop by K Dawn and entertain them. July first, San Diego, and the second. Oh, yeah, at, wow, you are on the West Coast a lot, and then you go yeah, to Goshen, Indiana. In the oh yeah, well, it's funny. I say enemy territory in California, but that's not actually true. There's like twenty miles surrounding like Los Angeles that believes like, but then everyone else is normal people. So yeah, we all those shows are packed. There might be a ticket or two. Uh, left. All those are pretty much sold out. So you don't even need this. This is like a friendly thing for you. You don't even need me. You, you did this because you, you like me. Oh, yeah, my man. Okay. And Hattiesburg on the 28th, uh, where we have oh, a yeah. great affiliate. Uh, we have News Radio 98.1 and then really? Oklahoma City, Freedom 96.9. So Dang, don't forget dude. to get John Christ would like to release a statement. That is your YouTube special that's available. Just came out last week. Yep. John Christ, you're a busy man. Very productive. If you, come to the, if you come to the meet and greet, say, I, Brian Kilmead sent me. I'll give you a big hug. All right. If you want to be hugged but not massaged by John Christ, please get <laughs> online. John, thanks See so you, much. You're the man, my man. You got it. Uh, back in a moment, you listen to the Brian Kilmead Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmead. 
The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Like, we're losing all the mascots to the sports teams. You know, we we lost the Redskins. You know, we lost the Redskins. Yeah. This year, we lost the Indians. We lost the Indians. What's the Indians' new mascot? Does anybody know? The Guardians. (laughs) Cleveland Guardians? Y'all know what a Guardian is? A guy that says, be home by 10 p.m. and you go, shut up, you're not my real dad. I'm just saying, spice up the names. You know what I'm saying? If you were watching a baseball game tomorrow and you're like, tonight's rubber match is the Miami Cubans versus the Texas Border Patrol agents. Don't tell me you wouldn't watch the Virginia Vegans play the St. Louis Slaughterhouse employees. That is so funny. That's John Christ, right? Uh, so that's that it. Uh, that's him on stage. It's true. I think the Guardians is just a t- terrible name. I mean, who? how the heck did you go from Indians to Guardians? What is What is a Guardian? It's your, the, your parent that tells you to be home at a certain time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then the other one is Commanders. It just doesn't work. Uh, you don't like the Redskins? I, I mean, the whole thing with the whole American Indian names, to me, is so contrived. I, I Very rarely do you see American Indian community who will rally for certain things ever rallying for this. They're trying to do the same thing in New York, on Long Island, in New York State. They just made this rule. Now they're trying to uh, enforce it by holding back educational funds. If you are... At a high school, and you have a nickname of chiefs, of Indians. One is called Red Arrows. Um, I forgot the so uh, Warriors. Wanta. If you are, they, you have to. You have till June to rip up the logo off your turf field, take the sign down on, on your school, wipe out any semblance of it. They'll even give you money to help you out with the payment, but just wipe it out. The American Indian movement is not cohesive. I think some tribes are probably upset with it. Others aren't. This is a this is a problem looking for uh, looking for a complainer. This is they say this is a problem. If I can phrase that again, this is a non-issue, and they're just searching for an issue. There are so many real issues, and I'm sure it's coming to a state near you. And if it's really hurting people to be known as the Iroquois or to know chiefs. If you have a dignified lego of an American chief that used to be in that town, that the town is named after, or a warrior which shows a spirit in which you engage in, uh, when challenged, to me that's remembering where you came from and remembering the people that were here before you. You continue with these, name everybody the Bulldogs, name everybody the Wave. You know, you continue to these have these innocuous names, Next thing you know, they're going to come from the name. If your town is named after an American Indian tribe that was there, for whatever reason they're not, they're going to have you change that. And then soon people will answer the, ask the question, by the way, who was here when we were here when Columbus got here? I don't even remember. We don't even write in the history books anymore. There's no semblance. So uh, I just think that it's a ridiculous waste of money. But, but Brian, isn't Massapequa really pushing back on that? My town is pushing back heavily on it. Because they're trying to say in a very significant way that Chiefs has looked at it as a point of pride, that there's no no one's mocking the logo, and they give pictures and evidence of that. People are proud to be Chiefs, and they they don't want to do it. So what they're going to do is deny educational funds from the state unless they change. So there's a bagel shop right next door to the school. That's a private company. It's a white wall. Every year they have a student design the design. It stays upward every two years. It'll stay up for two years. They went ahead, the student designed it, and they put it on the wall. So it's there. The chief is on the wall. Are they going to go arrest every kid that looks at it? 
Are you going to tell a private owner you can't you can't do that? I don't think you can. But I mean, the school's going to give it up, though. I don't know. They tend not to give in. We'll see. During the pandemic, they were the last to give in. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. We come to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world. Thanks so much. A lot of you choose to stream, and that's fine. A lot of you want over the air, and that's great. Uh, We have uh, Greg Zuckerman's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Now, it's interesting because he did a whole thing on the Soros Foundation, excuse me, the Soros family, and who is it going to be? Uh, all the power and all the political sway and all the billions are going to be in one man's hand, 37-year-old son. And this guy is even more political, and he's going to try to make himself more impactful than his evil dad. So uh, we'll talk to Greg Zuckerman about that. Charlie Hurd is here. And, Charlie, before we get to you, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It is worrying because we don't know any examples of more intelligent things being controlled by less intelligent things. They will have, for example, learned how to deceive. They'll be able to deceive us if they want to. Isn't that great? The father of AI, Jeffrey Hinton. So many questions about this new technology. Our assisted living Senate tries to set up a reasonable guardrails. Meanwhile, Paul McCartney scrambles to preside over an AI-generated new Beatles album. The good, the bad, and the scary. Number two. You chose to redact that and not to give that to House Oversight. I have no idea if there are voice recordings. The document was redacted to protect the source, as everyone knows. Paul Abadi, the assistant FBI director. Where are the tapes? Where are the facts? Republicans are demanding answers in the Biden family antics in Ukraine and beyond. Why do all the investigations get stonewalled and all of their formal investigations never get completed? Number one. Today we witnessed the most evil and heinous abuse of power in the history of our country. History made in all the wrong ways. As President Trump was arraigned and charged on 37 counts, no photos, no video, just sketches. His bedminster speech, his defense plan, as we know it, and what the rest of the GOP field thinks about Trump's troubles. Uh, with me right now is Charlie Hurt. You know Charlie. He's all over the channel. Uh, Charlie also has got another job. I'm not sure what pays more bills, but I know he has a lot of them. He is a columnist for the Washington Times. Charlie, what are your bills like? Um, I thought when you said another job, I thought you were going to say that I was like a farmer. And I was going to have to explain to you that I lose money as a farmer. Right. I am the world's worst farmer. I am. You tried um, it? Oh yeah, no, we you know we farm all kinds of things. We you know, we we raise pigs, we raise chickens. Do you really? We, yeah, yeah, we raise it. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would I do that? Because it's uh but <laughs> uh just go through your top three list of uh news stories today. Uh that's what you know the meme <laughs> on the internet says <laughs> you need I that. wish I lived on a farm yeah. and I'm always like, Yeah, I do live on a farm. It's good it's the only thing that keeps you sane. Right. But I'm telling you, like all my neighbors, they think it's really funny that I'm in the farming business because they, they know that they, there's no threat to their livelihood. I'm never gonna like eat into their profits. Understood. Because I am their profits. Understood. Uh, it's not easy, and I do respect farmers in all seriousness, especially uh, they are the backbone of our country and of oh, our yeah. network. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the president uh, brought up past cases yesterday in a speech. I thought it was going to be a magic marker situation where he jots down a few things and just goes out there. He was he was he read off a prompter a lot of. Oh, it. yeah. He came up the cases, the the Clinton sock case. 
He also says no other president's been investigated uh, like this along, and charged with a crime. He said these are my president. These are my papers from my presidency. He also called Jack Smith a thug. Um, and he said, I haven't had a chance to go through my papers. Yeah. I have a lot to do. So I love president. So I lo- how do you feel about that? I love the Clinton Sox case. And um, you think about it. You know, uh, Donald Trump is the master of like imagery and using uh, dramatic lang- uh, language and descriptive language. Um, why is why he's so effective. Um, and he chose you, know, you, you. You would think that you would want to talk about Bill Clinton's underwear drawer case. You'd want to talk about the 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 secret tapes being stored in his underwear drawer. But socks is better, and I think it's because when he gets up there and he talks about the Clinton socks case, it sounds like he's saying Clinton sucks. And so it's makes it and and you know what? No one's going to forget that. Everyone you not everybody can go to law school and remember what you learn in law school. No one will forget Clinton socks case. Use Trump cut for. As president, the law that applies to this case is not the Espionage Act, but very simply the Presidential Records Act, which is not even mentioned in this ridiculous 44 page indictment. Under the Presidential Records Act, which is civil, not criminal, I had every right to have these documents. So uh, Chris Christie says he, he did. He can't keep top secret documents anywhere. He shouldn't even be able to take them. You know what I think? I think there's got to be a system. I mean, it shouldn't even be up to any president. I don't care who it is. You just go, you know, if you have these top secret documents in a cardboard box, fundamentally, isn't that an issue? When you have 22-year-old interns with pocket protectors <laughs> loading up your helicopter the day you're leaving with all well, these, with the Iran attack plan, that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Well, first off, yes, of course. It's – I agree with your larger point that it, it at, at the very least, it's complicated. It's a mess. Right. You don't know who moved the boxes. You don't know what boxes well, we are see what. the video. I still – I moved like six years ago. I still haven't found like entire pieces of furniture – from when I moved. So the idea that you know what's in all these boxes, it's not, you know, whatever. But and that and that th- those are the logistics. But step back for a minute. The the bigger picture, it it becomes even more absurd that we're that we want to put this guy in jail for 370 years over this nonsense. One day the guy is Commander-in-chief of our military, president of the United States, has his finger on the nuclear button and has has absolute, complete authority over every single document met, put, produced by his administration. And then the next day, he's guilty of espionage? Are you freaking kidding me? And I'm sure that whatever rules have come have been put into place, right. that yeah. Donald Trump violated some of those rules. But again, it, it, we're, we're arguing about how many angels dance on the head of a pin. This is so freaking right. irrelevant. It's so but, stupid. But, but they say top secret documents are good compromise uh, names and, and missions. With the with, with the the laundry staff at Mar-a-Lago. Again, this guy was trusted with the nuclear. Bu- have you ever seen the nuclear button? Do you have you ever been within a mile of the nuclear button? No, no. this no. guy had his finger, his 
fat finger was right. right there at the nuclear button. One day, you know, one day he could have taken all of these records and folded them into air, paper airplanes and tossed them off of the Truman balcony. And then the next day he's going to go to jail for 370 years because he simply had them stored in his bathroom at Mar-a-Lago. It's ridiculous. Well, I just don't think you should make me feel bad because I can't get security cleared to have a nuclear code. I don't know why you drag me down. <laughs> all right. David Schoen used to be his attorney. Here's what he said about his strategy, cut 12. There are all kinds of defenses in this case, starting with, you know, the presentation of evidence they had to the grand jury with the Evan Corcoran notes. You've got uh, CIPA, CIPA issues here. They're going to have to be played out. And you have mainly the mens rea in this case, whether President Trump will acted willfully, which in this context means knowingly did something the law prohibited, all of the evidence that we've seen so far indicates exactly the opposite. He believed he was entitled to do what he did. But the problem is there's a tape that says, I don't have that security well, clearance. Yeah, but, 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 but we, we don't know the total context of that tape in the first place. In the second place, uh, the, all the words from that tape were not transcribed exactly right. So it, 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 from my reading, and I have learned that when it comes to prosecutors or uh, right. you know pursuers and Trump, you have to you have to you have to meticulously read every single thing about the accusation. And you know, was Trump saying what the prosecutor was saying, or was Trump just sort of like, so let me explain, let me understand this. So one day I can do this, and then the next day, is it sounded like he was speaking more hypothetically. To me, I don't know. Right. But again, it doesn't freaking matter. He and, and by the way, you know, you, you can't put the National Archives on the same footing as the president of the United States. The National Archives is not in the Constitution. But, the, 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 and, and whatever but it's you, like they narked on Trump. OK, they, they came in, they go, can but, you can you give us uh, the documents back? He goes, here's 15 boxes. They go, we, we think you have more. <laughs> I'm calling Merrick Garland. Yeah, but, but so they call no, Merrick Garland who says, in, OK, in the, I'm sending the FBI. OK. In the constitutional debate where you have a standoff between the executive branch, the president of the United States, who is the executive branch, and then some National Archives bureaucrat flunky who has is nowhere in the Constitution, doesn't exist in, in the sort of power structure right. of, how, of our electoral process. There's no – it's like not – a game, set, match. It's all over. The president has total authority. And I don't like this because the, the problem with this debate is I don't like the idea – I like the idea of having a, an institution in place, like you said earlier, where you have something in place, where you have the National Archives saying, okay, these are really valuable records. We know that you can do whatever Whatever you want to with the Mr. President, outgoing president, but we want, we believe in history, we love history, we want to maintain the records. Yeah. Therefore, let's work together and come up with a process. Okay, let's do that. I like that. But don't but, arrest him and put him in jail before him. Exactly. And then, okay. and then also, but you're also going to damage the National Archives in the process of doing all this. If you're going to weaponize, use the National Archives to weaponize as a weapon to. Now put, people hate, now half the country hates the archives. Hates the archives. And then, and then, like, forevermore, we're going to have. Republicans running for office, and I'm going to abolish the National Archives, and then we're going to, like, burn the original Constitution. Right. Uh, here's Lindsey Graham, cut 17. Remember the Russian investigation where they wanted you to believe that Donald Trump was colluding with the Russians in 2016? The desire to get Trump is destroying this country, yep. and the people have a chance to fix this. So in November 2024, here's what I predict. 
there will be a backlash against this overreach. People will look at Trump as the solution, not the problem. And he's going to win in November of 2024. And this indictment almost certainly secures the nomination for him. Well, it depends on what it is. And we'll see how it goes. And the president's got you and you, you should talk to him because I know he likes you. You should tell him that he's got to get a good legal team. And evidently he has uh, got people around him or not letting them letting good lawyers advise him. He's being screened out by people around him. And I've heard this from four or five different yeah. people. Well, he's you he's, must know this. He's he is a, he is his own best lawyer. Um, can you imagine being a lawyer working for Donald Trump? Uh, they, I saw something on the Internet the other day. Remember the little boy that came over and mowed the the uh, the lawn yeah. at the White House? Uh, and it was a picture of Donald Trump asking him if he was available to represent him down in Florida. Um, th- no, it, I, I get it. But it, what's so funny about it is so Trump is hard on his lawyers. Everybody hates lawyers. Who doesn't hate lawyers? I have law- I have friends who well, are lawyers. Well, shouldn't you listen to lawyers that are trying to keep you out of jail? Maybe, but he's got pretty good instincts. And and and, and by the way, I don't think this is going to – this is what's what, – this I don't is, want the best lawyer. And I, want, is, I want to hear him directly. Is, I don't want anyone to to screen for me. This, this okay, yeah, but you're also like a sane person. Donald Trump is a machine, right? And 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 God love him because this is not going to be resolved in the legal process, and I don't think it should be resolved in the legal process because I'm I'm starting to worry that our legal process is not going to withstand this. This has to be resolved. Politically, and it is why I believe the only answer is to have Donald Trump get reelected. I think it'd be fantastic if he uh, uh, on and his then first pardons day, himself. Pardons himself. But here's an interesting thing: Vivek Ramaswamy, who is probably the most uh, uh, one of the so brightest bright. stars in our constellation. He's so smart, and he's also not only is he really smart and a great communicator, he's also like really politically savvy. His ability. Um, to like figure out how to get like attention for stuff, which is Donald Trump's greatest gift. He's very good at it. And so this thing that he's done where he's got this letter and he's calling on all the other Republicans to sign on where they will agree to pardon Donald Trump. It's a very shrewd thing that he's doing there because he's not. And he says, well, you know, I realize this hurts me because, uh, you know, it helps me if Donald Trump gets indicted. But what he's actually doing is there is a group of people out there, Republican voters, who really don't like Donald Trump, but they want this madness to end and they don't want him to go to jail for 370 years. And so what they want, what they what they would love is an alternative. And Vivek is offering that alternative. You see, Vote for me. I will win. And then I will go over here. And the first thing I'm going to do is pardon Donald Trump. And guess Trump. what? Nikki Haley is open to the same thing. She goes, it's better for the country. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I guess... I asked. Um, I'm, st- I'm still voting I asked for Trump Governor Christie, myself, but... and what did Governor Christie essentially say? He said, "I would do it, but he'd have to be pardoned. You got to admit you're guilty. He can never see Trump ever admitting that he's guilty." I go to stay out of jail. He would do it because if you ever want to make sure, I Donald- don't believe- that's not true. That's the the fakest. Chris Christie's a lawyer. He should know better. That's fake. You don't have to admit that you're guilt in order to be pardoned. Really? No. Yeah, I think you do. No, that's ridiculous. The president can pardon anybody. Are you kidding me? So all of those dreamers that Obama pardoned uh, uh, all had to admit guilt? No, they didn't. That's none. He's making stuff up. I, I didn't go to law school, but, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't go to you law school. You stayed at Holiday Inn last night? 
But I stayed at a hotel near here. Right. But no, I, th- that's such BS. He's making that up. He bamboozled you. He legally bamboozled you. See, you would have gone, gotten out and got a lawyer like Chris Christie, and he would lie to you like that. Right. Listen, Chris Christie would never lie to me. He's a Met fan. Uh, <laughs> Met fans never lie. They know how bad they are. Uh, the Mets, not them. Listen, uh, Charlie Hurt's going to stay here for a few more minutes. When we come back, what the FBI said when requested about what Joe Biden's, where Joe Biden's tapes are and why they won't hand him over. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you get it, would you pardon the president? I think it's impossible to answer that right now and be fair. Remember, the pardon power is the power to say if you if some, you think someone's been treated unfairly, if you think there's not been a fair trial, you have to consider all those things. Um, I can't imagine if he gets a fair trial um, that I would pardon him. I can't imagine that I would. Remember the other problem. To accept a pardon, you have to admit your guilt to accept a pardon. You have to say, yes, I, I, was, I was wrong. And I and I accept the pardon. I can't imagine Donald Trump would ever do that. Uh, Charlie Hurd right here. So that's what I was talking about. So you have to you have to admit it. you need a pardon. Well, you I know that's not true. Did Richard you, Nixon, the most famous pardon in history, was Richard Nixon? Did he admit wrongdoing? He didn't admit anything. That's uh, he he. I think that was like I think that was uh, a, a law school class he took at the fraternity house. Do right, you want to hear something scary? Yeah, the father of AI on. The future, real quick. Yeah. This is the father of AI. Really? We have 30 Let's seconds. Listen. Let's listen. It is worrying. But Are you going to be spending time on solving this problem? I think I'm too old to solve new problems. I've done my, I've done my bit of solving problems. I, I will help, but I'm planning to retire. Uh, you, leave, you leave us... That doesn't, you leave us the humanity in a lurch. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it? Do you believe well, this? Maybe you're... Would you believe this? The father of AI says it could destroy the world, <laughs> so I'm retiring. So, is that, is that so now you're turning to me? Like, right. I, like, so, Charlie, am I responsible for this Would you take now? over? Yeah. Oh, would I? Yeah. Could you say, if we, by the way, I've unleashed AI, it could be smarter than us and destroy us. I don't know. I'm I'm too old to fix it. And he he said controlling beings that are more intelligent? Really? Are we more intelligent? Are we? Are we? AI is more intelligent than us and will destroy us. That doesn't bother you? Yeah, of course it bothers me. It's why I don't I, I don't believe in AI. You better not. Uh, you don't believe in it. No. Like, you know, you should pick it like it's a religion. Yeah. So no, you're not totally. going to use Chapai GBT. No, I would never use that. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fact that they keep throwing George Soros's name, we've talked a lot on the, on the in, in our show meetings, is it definitely feels like a dog whistle that is dangerous. It absolutely feels like a dog whistle that's dangerous. Look, most of these groups, the Oath Keepers, Boogaloo Boys, Proud Boys, they all subscribe to what you you are all referring to as the Great Replacement Theory, which is that idea that the majority of the white population is is, is being replaced. And this is why we see these spikes in in racism, these spikes in anti-Semitism is because they are ascribing to this belief and it's stoking this this division. 
So uh, a lot of people say that uh, we just uh, played a soundbite just about people who, when you attack George Soros, it's because you're you uh, you're afraid of the replacement series. It's white supremacists that are against George Soros financing all these DAs that are allowing crime to run rampant. With me in studio is Gregory Zuckerman, Wall Street Journal special writer, author of The Shot That Saved the World, The Man Who Solved the Market. And, uh, and uh, Greg just wrote a great column on uh, George Soros handing over the control to his 37-year-old son and what it means for our political environment and a little bit about his background. Greg, you've heard that before. When people come against George Soros, oh, that's because you're afraid whites are going to – it's a white replacement theory. It's crazy. Listen, there's a lot of reason why people are concerned about George Soros and they're upset by George Soros. I don't think it's all or even most of it related to his religion. I think a lot of it is his policies. You can argue they're helpful to the country, they're harmful, but yeah, you don't want to get caught up in the everything that Soros does and criticizing him is anti-Semitic. I wouldn't argue that either. Right. So tell me about Soros and the handing over of power and why everyone should be uh, should be aware. Yeah, so George Soros is among the most influential individuals uh, in this country. I think sometimes we go overboard on pointing blame at him. I think we, he doesn't kind of – he's not no puppet master moving things around. But yeah, he, he's got this empire. He's got uh, a foundation. He's got a pack that are worth billions of dollars, and he – has been behind the election. He's not responsible for them, but he's behind. He's funded the election of all kinds of district attorneys around this country and local officials that are progressive. So it's important to understand who he is and not overstate what he does, but and understand that this handing over of power to a son is really important for us all. How do you make his money? He was... I was going to say an investor. You can't even call him an investor. He's a speculator. He'll admit he was a speculator, meaning that he bet on currencies, on stocks, on bonds all over the world. And he made over a billion dollars betting against the British pound. Nothing wrong with that. Um, He's a capitalist and he'll admit as much. Yes. Uh, Why is he in America? He uh, was an immigrant from Germany, got out uh, during the Holocaust with his family, and he first just focused on funding things like uh, Central Park and some innocuous kind of things. He then helped abroad and also some really helpful efforts, universities, helping democracies. But then when he started getting involved in politics, it became very controversial. And specifically, he said that stopping George George W. Bush's reelection campaign was his number one goal. He uh, failed. He failed there. I mean, frankly, his, uh, why was he upset at George W. Bush? It was about the, about the Iraq war. And frankly, in hindsight, uh, he – a lot of Republicans agree with those concerns. But then he took on other kinds of issues, uh, more progressive issues, and he's a, a left-leaning guy. His impact with these left-leaning DAs funding campaigns that usually get very little funding has done what in San Francisco, Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles – Well, listen, um, on the one hand, I think it's important to know that these DAs have been elected and often reelected. So you can't just say, well, George Soros installed these DAs. I think the right goes overboard saying that. That said, does he do a moderate and a left wing? So it makes uh, so he gets one or the other. I I, I think it's we don't want to overstate his power and his control. That said, 
these DAs, um, the, the election of these DAs has coincided with rising crime often. You think so? Uh, Jessa Bodine got finally voted out. How the guy in Los Angeles is still there is, is insane. Alvin Bragg's an embarrassment to the country. And when you have very few financing coming into these, most, dem- most of these cities are Democratic-leaning. And then if you put $125,000 into a race, it usually gets fifty. It really makes a difference. Yeah, George Soros was very early in realizing that these local campaigns are really important. Now everyone else has caught on and realizes that we that they have to get involved locally and in terms of these these elected officials, not not just DAs but others as well. Um, so George Soros, listen, he, what are his concerns have been? Racial bias, incarceration rates. He would argue, and his people argue that. Well, and they've told me, well, Greg, look at our country. Why are we putting so many people in prison. Now, again, that's the progressive liberal view. I don't think he's trying to undermine this country. I get emails all the time. He's a Nazi. He's trying to hurt us. No, but we can disagree with what he's trying to do. Um, I would argue that maybe um, some of these policies need to be rethought. Yeah, I would argue that's a very (laughs) moderate way of doing it. Here's Governor Ron DeSantis. He has a, a different opinion of you. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers, ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. I'm sure you've heard that sentiment before. Do you think it's inaccurate? Um, I don't love the term Soros DAs. It's like saying Coke um, governors, you know, the Koch brothers got behind all kinds of governors and, and right-wing politicians. I don't, I don't like to vilify and demonize people. We can disagree with each other in this country without demonizing each other. So I and others have disagreements with a lot of the policies of, of progressives and, and, and liberals. That's fine. Let's, let's talk about those policies. Now, what's also interesting is that the heir apparent, the one I wrote about, um, Alex Soros, he's 37 years old. He's not exactly like his father. He's um, more left. He, well, he calls himself center More political, left. right? He's more political. I wouldn't say he's more left. He believes in free speech on campuses and elsewhere. I loved hearing that. When he told me about that, he emphasized that. Um, he's a big um, believer in Israel. He loves Israel. His father hasn't given anything to Jewish causes, whereas Alex, I think, is more open to that. I love the idea that we should have um, be more open to free speech and on and, 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 and campuses and elsewhere. So, listen, I'm hoping that there's a little more nuance to the next generation of Soros and that the policies aren't – I don't think the policies would be exactly the same. So how did he get it? I mean doesn't he have a few marriages, a lot of kids? How did the younger guy who you write was introverted and uh, and isolated kind of as a kid, now did he become this, this extrovert? And you see pictures of him with every powerful Democratic uh, politician and in the White House multiple times. 
Yeah, it's fascinating, Brian. It's a little bit like the uh, succession uh, television series where the least likely uh, son uh, or child has become George Soros's successor. This guy's 37. He, for years, was just seen as a playboy. He's in the gossip columns. He's got a model girlfriend. He's at the Knicks games all the time, front row, et cetera. And even within the foundation, within the organization, he hardly spoke up. People didn't consider him the likely heir apparent. But – us quietly, he's been working hard and traveling the world and meeting with in, in people. And yeah, we focus on the politics side of things, but they do other kinds of things too, uh, education aspects, things that I think we can all agree with. Not uh, not all of them, but some of them we can. <laughs> and um, Alex Soros, in the end, emerged as the successor. It's funny, his older brother was seen as the likely heir apparent for years, and, and he has a lot more in common with George. But in the end, it was the unlikely 30 seven-year-old who's going to be taking over the empire. So, I mean, right now, Alvin Bragg, you see what's going on here in New York City. Today, there's a big story that a Jewish man who was savagely beaten in a hate crime mob attack uh, by a Palestinian right in New York City. He's outraged because Bragg has now given the guy a lenient sentence of uh, 18 months. This guy's name is Joseph Borgen. He's 31 years old. He said, why is this guy getting a break? I really can't fashion why he's getting a deal. I want to go to trial. I want to see a, a full justice. What kind of message does it send to everybody that a hate crime like this attacking me because I'm Jewish? He was beat senseless, and the guy gets a slap on the wrist. Does that worry you? Of course it does. And, Brian, this individual, this uh, culprit, he said, I'm going to do it again. He specifically has mentioned, has, has, has been public about saying, he said, I'm going to do this again. So that scares me as a guy walking around New York City, and it scares me Soros, as an American. This, this, this is the school of thought that Soros wanted in power. This is the same thing that's happening, uh, not just anti-Semitism, but just pro-criminal attitude. See, that's the thing. I don't want to say we, he put him in office, and w- w- that's the danger. We go he's overboard. He's main backer. He is a key backer. I want to say Demo- he's City. Yes, yes. I'm not going to defend. Listen, I'm not. All I'm saying is let's disagree with their policies without vilifying and, and demonizing. So, or overstating it. The guy was elected. Bragg was elected. And wasn't he? I think he was reelected. But, 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 but I don't think it's nothing to do with Soros. Every city is left leaning that we're talking about. Republicans don't even run people. Fine, but that's not Soros. These guys get elected. Now you and I can he argue. He picks them and puts them in there. No, he doesn't pick them. He supports them often. But the I ones do, that agree with him. Come on, Gregory. Yeah. Listen, I'm not going to defend. Don't point me. I don't have to. I'm not defending uh, policies of Alan Bragg. I'm not going to um, um, go that far. Trust me. Um, and and but uh, but let's go get, find some some people. Let's get the electric uh, the the voters. Um, let, let's let, let's appeal to the voters a little do a better job than than vilifying people like Soros. I would argue. But there's very few people with the financial wherewithal to be able to compete with anybody that Soros puts forward. I don't know, Brian. Are, you know, Ronna McDaniel is not going to be pouring money into the. Uh, Attorney General of New York City, it's not the best place to do it because they don't have a shot. I don't know, Brian. I, I write about Wall Street. You know how many right, left, conservative people there are? Ken Griffin, um, Mercers I, I deal with all the time. There's a lot of money on both sides. So you think they should get – I, yeah. I 100% agree. They've given up on the cities. Yes. And we're seeing the results. Yes. But when crime runs rampant – you would think that attorney general who's in the law and order business would do things to crack down, not become more lenient. Then you have more Danny Pennies of the world who has to stand up and choke out a would-be assailant because there's no cops around and cops don't want to do their job because no one backs them. Listen, I, I agree that um, so a lot of these policies have not worked. I also think people we need to be more focused 
uh, on the cities. And what's interesting to me is when I talk to the Soros people, they don't say – they're not some we love brag, we love these policies whatsoever. They actually think and, – and Alex, the, the heir apparent, the 37-year-old, has says that judges should have more leeway. And that's something that people it's on the right have been arguing too. Yeah. Exactly. So we've gotten a little bit overboard. So I, I, I have a feeling that some people, moderates in the Democratic Party, are open to changing some of these policies and reexamining them. And we got to bring people together. Listen, I'm a straight down the middle moderate. I think we should we could all get together and reform some of these policies that have gone overboard. I would think so. Even the governor, the Democratic governor of New York, tried to do it, but the left wing legislature yes, yes. with a supermajority stopped it from doing things. I was the charter that. schools that help the minority kids in these cities that need help, the, the results are, are under, indisputable. And now they don't want to launch charter schools because teachers unions put the Democrats in power and they can't go against the people to finance their campaign. And kids get the short end of the stick. Yeah. You know what? This country is a lot more moderate than you would think. And a lot of people love the idea of charter schools and competition for, for these public schools, and yeah, the teachers' unions are, are, are quite strong. So um, I think there are um, more voters that would support some of these more moderate, um, unifying policies. Right. we got we got to rev up the voter base. And just so you know, it's a New York story, but it's a national story. Danny Penny, a 24-year-old Marine, stood up when a homeless uh, violent guy with a long history of violence, couldn't know it at the time, stood up, started threatening people on a subway train. He tried to lock him up, put him in a suppression hold. It ended up being a chokehold. He had other people help him. We don't know all the details. But sometime today, we will find out if a grand jury will indict this kid uh, for doing what I thought was the 100% right thing and stepping up for a group of people he did not know, most of which were minorities. But because he's white, Black Lives Matter mobilized against him. Unfortunate all around, but the Danny Penny, to me, could find out his fate uh, in, in a matter of time. More with Greg Zuckerman, Wall Street Journal special writer, uh, best-selling author. Don't move. Greg, you can stick around, right? Sure. Great. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. It is worrying because we don't know any examples of more intelligent things being controlled by less intelligent things. I mean, with human societies, you often have dictators who aren't as intelligent as some of the peasants, but that's not a big difference. They're in the same league. But here, these things would get much more intelligent than us. And the worry is, can we keep them working for us when they're much more intelligent than us? They will have, for example, learned how to deceive. They'll be able to deceive us if they want to. How scary is this? Jeffrey Hinton, the godfather of uh, artificial intelligence, saying that we have created something that's smarter than us. Gregory Zuckerman is smarter than me. He is uh, the Wall Street Journal special writer, best-selling author, uh, and he has a great column out, George Soros' hand, controls, uh, 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 hands control to his 37-year-old son. But, Greg, I just want to get your impression. You're a big-picture guy. Mm. Have you ever seen more smart people more concerned about a new technology? And it's new technology that they created, too. Jeffrey Hinton is the godfather. He's the guy behind a lot of these efforts. He's been doing it for decades. I've been following his career for years. 
So for him to be concerned, he's not some outsider, professor, academic, whatever. He's played a big Altman role. Altman too, right? Yes, all these guys. So it, it's, it's, uh, it is a little scary. I have to tell you, Brian, it's also fascinating to me how many experts are confused about the future and what will happen. And, and again, they're the ones who created the artificial intelligence. There's going to be a lot of really positive aspects when it comes to um, healthcare and looking for drugs using AI. There are a lot I mean, of- we have Paul McCartney coming out saying I'm making a new Beatles album with John Lennon's voice. Yeah, hey, listen, that should be the worst of what happens of, oh, with, that's with the AI. Good stuff. <laughs> yes. So I want you to hear what Hinton went on to say. Listen to this. Are you going to be spending time on solving this problem? I think I'm too old to solve new problems. I've done my, I've done my bit of solving problems. I, I will help, but I'm planning to retire. Uh, you, leave, you leave us, <laughs> that doesn't, you leave us the humanity in a lurch. Uh... Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Think about this. I'm, I'm watching this on Sunday. I go, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. You can't do that, can you? You create Gigantor and then unleash it on the world? I mean, to defend Jeffrey Hinton, the guy literally has a tough time standing up. Um, he has these special planes when he flies. Uh, he sits down. He, he has a tough time. His back is a mess. So oh. I get why physically he's unable. But in general, some of these people have created AI. Now they're like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. We need some guardrails here. Where you, you're at the forefront of this thing. You should be creating the guardrails. Right. And lastly, there's two things. We're coming on. Both parties are coming together on AI and they're coming together on China. Yeah. yeah. Do you think we fully understand the threat of China and their true mission? And are they vulnerable, more vulnerable economically than you, than one would think? It is encouraging that both sides are concerned about China. You, you make a good point, Brian. Um, Democrats uh, uh, that I've been following and, and monitoring seem just as concerned. Uh, Listen, um, is there more we can do for, for sure? But let's look for these kind of areas where there is some unity and what they've done elsewhere in, in, in terms of harming people and, and the Uyghurs, that Muslim population and, and elsewhere. We need more focus and publicity about that. All right. What's your next project? Uh, something in the trading world, something about some people taking risks and the impact of, on, on us all. Oh, I was going to do that. Now I'll do something else. <laughs> Greg Zuckerman, <laughs> thanks so much. We'll read all your stuff. Appreciate it. Keep it here. Don't forget, at 8 o'clock tonight, Fox News Channel. I'm doing Fox News tonight. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.